Good morning, everybody, and welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you. There's somebody that had coffee this morning. Hey, good. It's really good to be with you. Thanks so much for the privilege of sharing. Thanks for joining us both in person and online. I know the world we live in is a crazy, 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 crazy place right now, but it's fun. If you kind of hook yourself up with Jesus, it's a rush. You get to ride a roller coaster because he's your best partner to have a roller coaster because he straps you in and you just go for it. Okay, never mind. We'll keep going. Hey, we're going to be starting a new series this morning, guys, which I hope you'll be encouraged by. Um, it's called Answered Prayer, which I'm sure a lot of you have experienced answered prayer and probably in a variety of ways. In fact, who, who this morning would say, in the last six months, God's been faithful and answered prayer for me? Thank you. We'll get the rest of you there in a minute. But anyway, I mean, the reality is that is God is constantly working our lives, constantly looking for ways to respond to us, constantly looking for ways to engage with us. And in fact, if the truth be said, we could probably spend the next month, next six months, recounting how faithful God has been in your life. That you asked him to do something and you just kind of flippantly maybe threw it out there and he did it. Or you were serious and got done, hey, Lord, we need something, and he showed up, and he did it. Or you were just kind of engaging with somebody and praying with maybe your husband or your wife or a friend or a work colleague or something, and just ask, and all of a sudden, it happened. We could recount over and over and over how faithful God has been in prayer in our lives, in the requests we've made to him. In fact, he says to us, hey, I want you to come to me, and I want you to make requests to me. I want you to let me know what's going on. In Philippians 4, 6, it says this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Let's just stop right there, right? Don't be pulled in a whole bunch of different directions and don't worry about a thing because I've got this. I've always got this. I was chatting with a friend the other day and he said, why do you like the story about Jesus sleeping in the boat so much? And I'm like, well, think about it. Doesn't say it, but think about it. He gets to the shore. He gets in a boat with them. He knows exactly what's about to happen. He knows what's coming and he's that stressed about it. He goes and takes a power nap in the back of the boat, and they head out, and the storm happens, and he's in it with them. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Most people, unfortunately, are saturated with not so good comments online each day, right? If we were saturated with prayer through each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude, and tell him every detail of your life. We're in a series that we're walking through the next few weeks about answered prayer and how God wants to answer our prayers. Over the next few weeks, We'll take a journey, hopefully you'd come with us, to look at and talk about how powerful actually answered prayers are. Probably when it comes to prayer being answered, we maybe naturally think of God being the answer to our prayer, right? We go to him and ask him to move in our life and move in our situation and do something, which, which he is. But what we don't often think about is that we actually might be the answer to someone else's prayer. You might be the answer to someone else's prayer. You might be the answer to someone else's prayer. Actually, Krista, what if, what if we were the answer to someone else's prayer? And Krista, what if that someone else who we're going to answer her prayer was, was actually Jesus? Because it is. We're actually an answer to a prayer that actually he makes, that he literally cries out in Casa. He literally presents a prayer request that you and I actually become the answer to. Because here's the thing, because the moment we stop fighting for each other is the moment we lose our humility or our humanity. The instant we stop fighting for each other, is the minute that we literally lose our humanity, and you could say our humility. When we get it all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me, we lose sight of what's really, really important. Here's what Jesus said, and here's where his prayer request was to each one of us, found in John 17. And I, Jesus, not only ask for these disciples, that's the ones with him, but also for all who will come, will be one day believing me through their message. That's us. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, unified. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. 
For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. What's Jesus' prayer? That his church would come together. That his church would be one. That his church would fundamentally put away all my personal preferences and discover his preference. That I would put away what I think is right and discover what he says is right. Because here's the thing. Please remember this today. Unity is not optional. It's actually essential. It's not optional. It's not optional to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and shred my relationship with Brad and God will be okay with it. He's actually not okay with it at all. In fact, later on, we'll talk about how directly he speaks to us in reference to that. In fact, if we go all the way back to the beginning to see how important unity is, but how hard someone tried to destroy it, you'll see where it was poisonous, dropped in a system of relationship, and it's found in Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say... He wasn't interested in what God was talking about. He wasn't interested in being on the same page with God. He wasn't interested in getting alignment and being unity with what God was speaking. He was actually questioning and challenging God's authority in this whole process. You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Of course, we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. At the very, 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 very beginning, one of the coldest seeds of destruction was a heartbeat and a spirit of disunity. Let's shred and tear and separate. My way is better than your way. Our way is better than their way. We're more spiritual. They're less spiritual. This is more spiritual. That's more spiritual. This is what God wants. This is what God wants. This constant shredding in our culture and our way of life as believers. And yet Jesus' prayer requests, no, no, to us. I want you to be one. If you'll do anything, I want you to be one. I want you to be united. As I and the Father model that are one. See, the enemy's greatest desire is to create disunity and division between us and God. Greatest desire is to create disunity, a disconnection between us and God. That we have a form of godliness but lack the power or presence thereof because there's disunity and tearing and shredding that's taking place. In fact, the poison of disunity is one of the greatest threats to our Christian faith. And we have to be willing to face it and confront it. See, the enemy has been at it since day one, as it were. Because if he can cause disunity and division here, between you and I and him, between us, as it were, and cause division there, he can probably cause division here. Because if he can separate me from God and cause division and disunity in my life between him and I, he can definitely do it in my marriage. He literally wants to get into that and shred things and pull things apart. And if he can do it there, he can probably do it here amongst us. So if he can get me and Jesus to be at a place where we're disunified or we're not connected, there's no connection between him and I, it bleeds into the closest relationship in my life, which is with my wife. And if he can cause disunity amongst me and Andrea in, in that place of marriage that God's called us to, then he can cause it here in the kingdom. I mean, just look at the kingdom. And I say this respectfully, and if it crosses a line, please come see me afterwards. I mean, for God's sake, we argue over which version of the Bible people read. How stupid is that? You know what Jesus' solution for that is? You know what the best version of the Bible is? The one that gets opened. Literally. But yet we get into this division and disunity and this is more spiritual and that's more spiritual. We won't go into it. There's some words in the King James that actually aren't right in reference to the original translation because Paul didn't call himself illegitimate. And I won't say the other word in church because I'd get in trouble. But we get into this, this disunity and tearing and shredding over which version of the Bible. Please, if you're struggling with which version, just open one. 
Let me just pick one and open it, and I might, it'll blow your mind. No matter which version it is, just let it minister to your heart. Yet there's this tearing and disunity that the enemy's after in all that we're doing. You see, and it's crazy. It simply starts with destructive power of misused, misdirected, misunderstood words. Literally, words literally cause disunity continually. We say something, we misunderstand it, and it sends us off in a direction. Sends us a whole different direction, and it causes noise and destruction. It causes distractions. It gets in our faces, gets in our lives, gets in our walks, gets in our relationships, gets in everything God's trying to speak to us. That God wants us to be an answer to prayer. Don't worry, he's not going to hit me. He wants us to be an answer to prayer for him. And disunity does this to us. Constantly noise and anger. Don't worry, I'm getting out of the way. Noise and anger and destruction on a continual, continual basis. See, unfortunately, the word unity, and I'm getting out of the way. Thank you, Nano. Doesn't look like a lot, does it? But it's one of the most destructive things in our culture and our lives today. As a result of destructive words, even in our culture, we end up divided and split on so many fault lines. Politics. 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 Where the church should be right now is on its knees. Where are we? All over freaking Facebook. Mocking the next guy or the next guy, the next person. Where else are we divided? Over in the ethnicity. Literally, it separates us. Sexual ethics. Theology keeps us fractured and split. Literally keeps us fractured and split. We have no idea what it is that we're doing and where we're at in all of it. Take a look at something incredibly dear to me and how damaging disunity and splitting has become. See, we're no longer one. We'll get to it in a second. The enemy wants to use a wedge. What's your wedge? What is he trying to use against you right now as a wedge? Is it miscommunication? Is it politics? Is it race? Is it COVID? 19, 18 and a half, 21, I don't give a rat. Is it fear? Is it tiredness? Is it anxiety? Is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it pride? Is it arrogance? What's the wedge that he's trying to use in your life right now to drive it in between you and to separate it? See, this piece of wood was at one time a reasonable piece of wood, and now it's in bits. Still wood. It's no longer together no longer unified it's shredded and if I'd have let him gone on he'd have just had fun all day like a good you know one of those guys right because he loves this stuff I mean I had a little tiny hatchet for him he shows up this morning with these things I'm like whoa dude now that's the coolest things in the world and he goes but Rob the most dangerous thing and deadly thing is this because you drop it into a small crack and you drive it in and it separates everything. What's the wedge today? 
that the enemy's trying to use in your life to separate you into a place of disunity rather than unity with the people around about you, the kingdom, the family. See, disunity and destruction that comes with it has helped destroy my beautiful country over the years. It literally has held back millions of people from experiencing one of the most beautiful countries in the world. In fact, if you plan on going to heaven, why not check out its front garden before you go? It's called Northern Ireland or Ulster for those that live there. Rose-colored glasses, of course. But the destruction and splitting that has caused disunity has caused millions of people to stop even risking it and going there. Why? Because at a distance, the world watches a country that is so disunified, it is crazy sick. That people from miles and miles and miles away get to watch a country shredding itself simply over else seep into its fiber. And the fun of being from Northern Ireland is taken away now. Look around the world, there are a whole bunch of other countries, actually. South Africa, China, Yugoslavia, other places. Has disunity helped them at all? Not at all, guys. See, it's the poison of disunity that leads to division or splitting that has ultimately led to destruction. It's the poison of disunity. It's the poison that's creeped in. It's the wedge that's dropped into a small crack in the armor and then the enemy has just driven it and 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 then shredded people and pulled people apart. I mean, just look at my own country and many others, or just look at ours here. I say this as a baby American, so please, if I'm wrong, Brad, come and correct me. But as a baby American, when I first came here, there was a national pride that was amazing. I mean, going to football games and singing the national anthem, all the songs, and just all the... I mean, just as a new person, it was amazing. I was like, dude, this is so cool. You fast forward to the day. It's gone. It's gone. Over division. Over wedges that have been driven into our fiber, into our being, and have separated us as people. Divisions that the enemy has done in the church to go, this is better than this, and this is better than this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And there's this division that the enemy has tried to do in us. It wants to start between you and God, you and your spouse, and you and your friends. And you and the kingdom. See, the noise and destruction and damage that this unity causes distracts me from hearing you or listening to you. This stuff here causes a noise that stops me from hearing you. See, the mandate for unity in the Christian community reverberates throughout the entire New Testament. But there must be a moment where we personally become alive to see that unity in every area of our life is critical. That literally unity in every area of your life and my life is absolutely critical. That we're connected and together. What do I mean by that? Well, like this picture. It's not the real, real Team 6 because I would never do that. That would be inappropriate because none of your business who's on Real Team 6. This is the movie one. Actors. But it really represents it that in a unit like this where there is four guys and that is it, you know the thing that sticks them together outside of their professionalism and their expertise and their training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is guess what? Unity. Leave no man behind. It's a marine motto. Unity. We all go out. We all come back. Or sports teams. Unity. Or our work teams, unity. Our friends teams, unity. Our home team, what's a home team? That's your family and your marriage, unity. Or for the expansion of God's kingdom on this earth, his team, and this is our leader. Unity. It's absolutely essential. It's mission critical at every area 
of our life. How powerful is the desire for unity? Everything God does begins in unity. Go back to the garden. He created Adam and Eve, and they would hang together, and they were unified. They were as one together. It started with unity. And he magnifies unity, John 17, 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. This is a bold, radical, specific request that he made. Think about it. Jesus literally asked that we would be one as they are one. There'd be a closeness, a connectability, a leaning into one another, a contending for, a gluing with one another, as powerful and dynamic as Jesus talks about him and dad. See, Jesus prayed that this fellowship of believers would be a community marked by the same radical love and submission and power and impact like the Godhead. That's why Jesus tied his prayer for unity immediately into the missional calling on all believers. See, Jesus saw with extreme clarity, guys, that his lordship would be the most clearly declared to the world through the unity of the church. Not the expression of the church, not the style of the church, not this, not that, but the unity of the church would literally clarify who he was to the people who were watching. And ultimately, a desire, guys, would end in a place of unity. John 14 says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And then it says these words, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That we would start in unity back in the garden when it comes in a day that we would be unified when you come to spend eternity with me. See, the power of unity is incredibly potent to a point that the theme is echoed continually, as I said, throughout the New Testament, but it's also woven into the fabric of creation, guys. What do I mean by that? Take a look at this for a second in case you've never seen it before. Maybe you have, but maybe you haven't. You probably have absolutely no clue what that is right now. It's not a UFO, by the way, before anybody goes there, okay? It's not a gimmick. It's not a blue screen, okay? Someone didn't make it happen. I'm pretending it actually happens. It's called murmuration. A murmuration is a jaw-dropping phenomena of flocking starlings. This bird formation is like any other formation of birds, which is why scientists, not me, had to give it a special name. It's called murmuration for starlings that literally do this. New research has uncovered the why and how behind this natural marvel, revealing some powerful implications. When these birds hold to a core set of behaviors, you could maybe say beliefs for us, the essentials, as it were. It allows them to reach unimaginable efficiency, effectiveness, and speed, and finesse within their unified movements. Within their unified movements, they can achieve more than they could have ever achieved on their own. They are unified in their behavior. We are unified around a core set of beliefs as believers. We're called to respond to him and to answer his prayer. Thank you, Mark. So next time you get a chance to look at something like this in the sky, Imagine this, guys, just for a second. Imagine what would happen if his church actually did this. If we actually unified ourselves around his core values, not our preferences. Around what he has said, not what we say. Around what he has written down, 
not what we've written down. Remember, his invitation is to you and I is to choose to join his great chorus. Maybe just like something like that. And be a part of a powerful, powerful movement that brings his kingdom on earth just like in heaven. What lets his kingdom come, with all due respect, and I'm a pastor, I guess, so forgive me. It's not expression and it's not style. It's unity. It's not how funny a person is or how big a worship team is. Thank you, ladies. Amazing, amazing job. See, we can, you can worship if you want to worship, right? And we get caught up. Here's what we prefer. Here's how it should be. Here's what should happen. Here's how good it should be. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Just be unified. You want worship to sound and smell and feel and taste really, really, really good? Just be unified. Just be together as one. Come together under me and allow me to direct you and guide you and all that's going on. Jesus prayed for a lot of things. But one huge thing that stirred his heart was unity. Think about this. With death knocking at his door, as it were. And of all the things he could have prayed in that season that he found himself in. Jesus' final thoughts and prayers were spent on unity. I pray. That's Jesus making the request for them all to be joined together as one. Unified. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Jesus made unity a massive priority, therefore so should we. Jesus literally focused himself back on come together, come together. I mean, he, he came and died so we'd be unified. He came and died so he could close the gap and we'd be back in relationship with one another. One of the most powerful prayers we could ever answer is his prayer request to us. Be somebody, be one who would choose to not let this be a part of our life, but allow him to be a part of our life to become the glue that holds us together. Ephesians says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all. Unity. In our faith communities, around Dad's purpose, is one of the most powerful weapons we have available to us. I don't know if anybody's ever going to watch this. If you do... I'd love to speak to every single person that watches it. I'd love to speak to every single person in the room. What's a unified thing we could do maybe in this season as a church? Find somewhere to be on your knees and to lift up our nation and to lift up our people and to ask for dad's mercy and dad's covering and dad's protection to come and move in our nation and to bring us back to a place of centering ourselves back on him. Is it possible? If his people pray and invite him, he might just come. He might just come. See, when we're all united with Jesus and with each other, there's a power that's unstoppable. How powerful is unity? Well, it's a powerful platform that empowers us to proclaim the good news from. Because that's how he structured it. In Philippians 1, it says this, But whatever happens to me, remember always to live as Christians should. So that wherever I see you again or not, I will keep on hearing good reports that you are standing side by side with one strong purpose. To what? Somebody say it, please. That is why he saved you. That is why he saved and drew every single one of us to his side. To be a conduit, to be a bridge, to be a, to be a voice for him in people's lives. 
He didn't just save me to keep it to me and Andrea and me and God and my two girls and me and us. He didn't do that. He literally called us to a place of being stand side by side, that the proclamation will be one, that there's good news available for people who are lonely and desperate and hungry and scared and frightened. There's a, there's a place you can find an answer, and it's in the presence of Jesus presented from a unified church, a unified body. Where do we start? Thank you for asking, him. I really appreciate you did. We have a great, great reason for hope. As believers, we have unlimited access to the Holy Spirit. Start there. See, I know I can't walk in true unity with you without the glue of the Holy Spirit as a part of my life. I can't literally connect with Brad in a way that Jesus would truly want me to. Though I like Brad and he's my friend and we've got things in common, like yada, yada, yada. But the way that allows me to go to a deep place of really connecting and unity with Brad, that, that come hell or high water, we can do this together as community and family, isn't what I bring, Brad. It's what he brings. It's his presence moving and flowing in our lives. I don't know where we're at today. I don't know how this whole COVID 12, 17, 19 thing has affected you and all the junk that's going on around about us. But I wonder today if you would go, Lord, would you grace me today by filling me afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you, if I opened my life today, if I, if I let me, Lord, ask access to allow you to allow the rivers of living water that come from within my life to truly refresh me at the deepest of levels in every year. I wonder if that would be you today. And if it is, do me a favor. You just stand right now. Yeah, I didn't ask you to bow your head. And ask you to... Now, only, if it, only if God's speaking to Pastor Joe, would you join me? I've asked my pastor, dear friend of mine, one of our pastors, our executive pastor, uh, one of my dearest friends for 20 plus years, to come and join me. I'm going to ask him, and please just slip your hand up when I'm talking here. I want to make sure you're safe, because Joe and I talked this morning, and I want to honor you. I want to honor the restriction. I want to honor you being comfortable and safe. And so if you're uncomfortable with Joe just coming by, he's got black gloves on, he's had his mask on the whole time, I'd like him just to anoint you with oil. Now he's black. Now be careful, because you're, you've, now you can just pour Joe if you like to. But anybody uncomfortable with Pastor Joe just coming by and just anointing you with oil, just to respect the guidelines. Thank you, Pastor. He's going to wander around and just anoint you. And pray for you. He's just going to anoint you. When he's done, he's going to get my attention. I'm going to pray for you and ask you to pray. Go ahead, Pastor. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me when he's done. Because this bad boy is deadly. Absolutely deadly. He may not look like the enemy, but he represents the enemy. Because it brings destruction if it's wielded in a wrong way, in the wrong direction. And this bad boy, if it seeps into your life without you knowing, and the enemy comes along, and he drives it into a small hole, into a small crack, and it's not dealt with, this is what can, whoop, this is what can happen. So I encourage you this morning, I don't know what your background is in reference to the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your upbringing is. I don't know what your experience has been. So just please hear me this morning. Why would I have Pastor Joe do this? It's not left of center or right of center. It's not funky. It's not anything. It's a, let me read something to you of why I want Pastor to come and anoint me in a second before we pray. Because this is what the Bible says in Luke 4. Then Jesus, I guess that's the guy we're talking about this morning, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why would anybody ever stand and say, Jesus, refresh me with your Holy Spirit? Because Jesus himself went and got water baptized by John, and it says he was filled with and led by the Spirit into all that Dad had for him. In the 21st century, why would any believer ever want to do life without the Holy Spirit being present and released in their life. Not to turn you into a cuckoo clock or do anything silly. That's, that's all bad theology. To keep this 
garbage out of your life is why I would want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To keep this stuff away from my life is why I'd want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To stop the enemy having a right to place wedges in my life and then to hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer and cause splitting and separation in a relationship that matters to me. Do you need to be filled with and refreshed by the Holy Spirit today? God says to ask him then. And he won't do anything you won't let him to do. Literally, Brad and Andrea standing is a physical invitation to go, Jesus, we're open to and asking for whatever you want to do in my life and through my life with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to refresh me from the deepest of my being. Lord, come and have your way. He won't do anything without you and I inviting him. There's not a long, drawn-out kind of make it happen, kind of has to like, <laughs> like, and I say this all the time and I get in trouble and I'll get in trouble again. The last time I checked, Andrea, Andrea, you know, Jesus is not deaf. He's not deaf at all. In fact, he has amazing hearing. And in fact, he has super, super vision. He's the coolest guy in the world. So we don't have to beat a drum and shout. We have to get his attention. Joe, would you anoint me, please, partner? We don't have to shout. We just have to ask. Like I would say, Brad, help me fix something in the parking lot so you don't get flat tires. Because I was going to mess it up, and Brad's like, Robert, <laughs> So I call Brad. I'm like, hey, Brad, you got five minutes because I think I'm going to mess this up. And he's like, Robert, what are you doing? Well, I've got this thing that's sticking out of the ground, and I think people are going to get flat tires. They might even fall into it in their trucks. And I'm like, so Brad, and I just talked to him. Hey, Brad, you got five minutes? Because absolutely, Rob, what days are you free? Text me back. Hey, I'm free here. We had a conversation. It was this simple. And Brad went, yes, Rob, I'd love to help. Let me come and do that. And he came and got the right thing for me because I got the wrong thing. Why? Because I asked him. Why would you want to be filled today? So you can be in unity with him. You can be in unity with his kids. You can allow him to change you. If you're watching online, this is probably crazy and probably weird, but if you're at home and you're watching online, going, I want in on this. Text to the people, the moderators online, let them know you want to do that. Or you can stand right now if you're standing at home. I know it's crazy and embarrassing, probably whatever. People are like, why is he standing in this front room? I don't care. Personally, I wouldn't give up. Anyway, but you do whatever's right for you. Stand if you want to. People are standing here. And here's what I'd like you to repeat. I'd like you to repeat a prayer with me this morning, and you personalize it. You ready? Holy Spirit, please fill my life afresh today. So I can walk in your ways. One of them being in unity with Jesus, with you, and with our community of believers. And just for fun, the community I live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Now you have to choose to walk in it. When you leave here, you can go, I'm going to ask and walk in the request I made of him. What would you and I have to do for the sake of unity? What's my heart? Well, the answer will probably be, this was mine. Hey, Rob. Yes, Holy Spirit. Maybe start by choosing to extend grace like the grace that's been extended to you so that unity can thrive and that's probably a good place to start. Let it start with me. Let it start with you and I let it start with you. J.K. Rowling's said this, we are only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. We're only as strong, and please hear my heart. This is a Robertism, and I'm not a theologian, though I love theology. But sometimes I think we can come together and worship, and we can beat drums and beat drums and beat drums and beat drums and beat drums for the sake of becoming more unified, and we've missed the whole point. 
missed the whole point. Because honestly, I'm not, and I love Brad. Brad, come up here a second. Andrea, I promise I'm not going to hit him. I promise. I can worship all I like, but if this is where Brad and I are at, thanks, Brad. There's no worship song in the world will fix it. No worship song in the world will fix it. No length of worshiping in the world will fix it. I could worship for 400 hours if I want to. But if this is between Brad and I, that is going not bad, but son, not even close. Not even close. Why? Because this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. So if you're about to offer your gift to God at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, or you have something against him, you could say, don't spend the next 72 hours calling down heaven and calling down fire from heaven. That's kind of fun and good. The Irish Jesus goes, time out, stop. If you really, really want to discover what unity is, put your gift down, put your instrument down, stop making a noise, and go find Brad, and go, Brad, I think we have this between us, and it's me that caused it. Or there's a misunderstanding. Brad, would you help me Remove this wedge that the enemy has driven between you and I. You want to have worship that's powerful? I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to ask Jesus to truly help you work and walk in unity. Maybe I think some of this stuff, and this is my personal opinion, and Brad will fix it. But maybe some of the reasons we struggle to feel intimately close to Jesus in worship is because we're not. Because we have ought against somebody and we've placed it in their life, in our life somewhere, in a crack or a wedge or something. We've allowed the enemy to poison us in the deepest, deepest of ways. See, Laurie Cunningham says this, Disagreements don't cause disunity. A lack of forgiveness does. It's, there's no... I mean, Andrea has way better opinions than I do. We have disagreements at times. I mean, it's always her fault. But we, we have disagreements. That was a joke. All the theologians don't. Like, what? Right? We have disagreements. But disagreements don't cause disunity. Unforgiveness does. So we work through stuff and we learn from one another and we kind of do stuff and in the kingdom we do the same thing. We kind of have disagreements or different perspectives on something. But what we don't do is allow us to move to a place of disunity. Right? Because disagreements don't cause disunity. Unforgiveness does. Wedges dropped in our life do. Because... He split it really quickly. And I asked him this. He said, Rob, when you drop it in and it's in there and it's wedged in, sometimes there's no going back. Sometimes when it's dropped in deep enough, unless we truly tear up and really discover what's going on, there's no going back. So often we have disunity in a place that it draws us to and we lose the ability to communicate. Helen Keller said this, alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. It, it seems that a lot of people right now in and around our culture, at this moment in time, are just really, really, really 
in a good old-fashioned mood for a good old-fashioned fight. So just to invite you along in the process, so if you're in a good old mood for a good old-fashioned fight, so if you're going to fight, do dad a favor, would you? Would you let's fight for unity? If you're going to get involved in fighting, if you're going to get involved in that process, if you're going to get involved in that, if you're going to have a good old-fashioned fight, so if we're going to fight, do me a favor, let's fight for unity as a part of the body of Christ and be one who would be in the game instead of watching it. Because like the old servant, I've said it for 40 years in America, whatever it is, everybody who watches the game always has an opinion. But very few of them ever actually get in the game to help make a difference. Maybe for us as believers, we would stop allowing the enemy to bring disunity into our life personally with Jesus, our life with our spouses, our life with our friends, and life with our Christian community. And rather than allowing the enemy to be one who would add to that, we would actually be one who says, I am not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to be a part of it. And what that might cause you to do you might have to check some close friends who start a conversation that heads down the road of creating and seeding disunity. And you might have to step up and go, stop. I do not want to be a part of it. If I have an issue with Brad, I'll go talk to Brad myself. I don't need you to talk for me or with me or around it. I know this is a, what do I call this? An axe. I was just going to get it right. It's a baby axe, a big axe, a man axe. I, I, I don't need somebody else to explain my axe to Brad. I'll go explain it myself and go, Brad, I am sorry. I have lifted this against you. Help me put it down. Help me not be a wedge in people's life. Help me not be a wedge in the kingdom. I don't know what God wants to do with this. Pastor Glenn Burris, who was our going out four square president, said this. Apart from Jesus, we can't understand. Apart from Jesus, we can't forgive. Apart from Jesus, we can't see. Apart from Jesus, we can't love. Apart from Jesus, we can't find peace or bring unity. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on. I just know this, that Jesus wants to set us free. Where does it start? Maybe as someone who doesn't know him, if you're watching this morning, someone here, you've never given him a chance to change your life. I don't want to assume anything. But as simple as this is, honestly, the best place we could become unified is with Jesus. Like the first picture, it's here first, and then here, and then here. The literally, it's like connection with Jesus is the most important thing in the world. Maybe it starts with this, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. Would you come and cleanse me and renew me by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit? Would you come and literally do in my life what you want to do and have access to my life, however you want to have access so they can use my life? Why? So I can be an ambassador for unity because now I have unity with you. So therefore, I can give what I have because you cannot give what you do not have. You've never said yes to him before and you went to this morning. I'll be available afterwards. Come see me. I'd love to do that. Or you can text online and kind of let those watching online know, hey, I want to give my life to that place of allowing Jesus to transform and change me. Everybody wants to be an advocate nowadays for somebody, which I think is really, 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 really cool. I really do. So if that's true, 
Why not choose to be an advocate for unity in the kingdom and the culture and the place that we find ourselves at right now? It doesn't take a large wedge to destroy a large piece of wood. It just needs somewhere to start. It doesn't take a large wedge to destroy a small wedge to destroy a large piece of wood. It just takes somewhere to start. Please, 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 please be careful in this season that we don't become wedges for the enemy. in people's lives or people's situations. Do me a favor, bow your head a second, would you? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Father, that if we want to have a fight or be in a fight, we should probably fight for unity. God, I ask you to speak to each one of us prophetically and profoundly. I ask you, Father, every single person that stood publicly and declared, Lord, I want to be open to allow you to fill me with your Holy Spirit afresh. Lord, I ask you to meet them in their requests today. We don't have to beat a drum. We don't have to shout. You're not deaf and you have fantastic eyesight. And when your kids respond, you respond to them. And so, Father, as a part of the church. I just ask that crossroads, Lord Jesus, and I represent it as a servant, Father God, that we would be a church of unity with the kingdom, Lord Jesus, with your kingdom, that we wouldn't be dividers, we wouldn't be separators, we wouldn't be shredders or terrors, or we would literally be men and women who would come and would fight for and contend for the spirit of unity to dwell within us individually and then to dwell within us as a community of believers, that we would bring life, Lord Jesus, to places where there is no life, Lord, we would bring encouragement and hope because you are our hope into people's lives and situations and circumstances. Dad, lead and guide us into this season, Lord God, to be men and women who would fight for the right to be unified as part of the kingdom. Dad, we ask in your precious name. And all those people said, amen.